It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? Here we are, the Life on Life's Terms podcast. I'm Tom Robinson, and just want to say we are not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we do uh, endorse them. They are not responsible for us or our opinions. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm Chris Mandeville. Uh, I'm a recovered heroin addict. We are here at a New Way Recovery Center in Quincy, Mass., on Quincy Ave. Yeah. Um, there's... Lots of resources down here, lots of meetings. Um, there's a men's meeting that needs support here tonight. Yep. Struggling. Yep. Guys, there's a, men. There's a men's meeting. I think it starts at 6. Um, they also just launched Quincy Young People that meets here on Monday nights. Mm. Um, there's, If you get a chance, come down and grab a calendar. Um, there's uh, so many meetings, all different kinds down here, support for, for everybody. Um you can find us at lolterms.com. Please subscribe. That's our audio podcast, um, which, you know, we have a couple weeks before what you see here will be available on the audio podcast. Yeah, um, and you can subscribe through uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, the Google Play Store. So what are, we, what are we at? Is, are we at 100 now? Uh, 97, I 97? believe, is the last one, yeah. But is, is this our 100th guest? Could be. Yeah, you might be oh, our 100th guest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tonight we have Robin. Um, I Rock met Robin, Robin at Rockland Young People a few years back, um, and I knew her son, Luke. Um, we ended up losing him uh, in 2015 to an overdose, um, which happens to a lot of people um, that I don't know. I don't know. There's work around here that that can be done to to prevent you from going back to what you do, um, but it's constant vigilance that keeps you around here and and helping others. And you know, he was an awesome kid. Um, and just what? How many months ago was Chris? Three. Um, three. Yeah, about three months ago, she also lost her nephew, uh, Chris, and I was friends with him as well. Um, it's it's horrible to. To see what families have to go through that that lose a loved one when when like like yourself you know that there's a solution out there and you know neither it's, Luke or Chris did the work yeah not all the work yeah um, mm. and you know they there's there's people out there that that will say oh the twelve steps don't work no the twelve steps do work or or if someone that that has come into Alcoholics Anonymous says oh it didn't work for me well they probably didn't do the work right you know I. I yeah. I read a study. I shared a study yesterday. Did you share it too? Um, there was mm-hmm. just a new study, basically saying that twelve-step programs are oh yeah, I work, saw work it. the I best. Saw that. They have the they have the best. Um, Somebody finally did a real study. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Because it's an anonymous program, it's pretty hard to like pin down anonymous people and say, "Hey, did this work for you?" Yeah. You know. Um, the, but there's millions and millions that that stay sober every single day sure. using a twelve-step program and. So many other addictions that have taken the twelve step model and used them to help as well gambling sex food yeah. f- shopping you name it it's out there and twelve steps have worked so 
But we have Robin. Yes, we have Robin. She's going to share her story with us. Are you going to you're going to share your 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 experience? You're going to you know, qualify and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Hi. So, I'm Robin, and um, let's see. Where do I want to begin? I am. Um, I'm a member of AA. Um, I've done the work, um, and like Chris said. It does work if you you know if you do the work. It does work. Um, I'm active in my own recovery, but let me go back to the beginning. Um, I drank for forty years before I got to before I came to the halls of AA. Um, like my like my sponsor once told me, I didn't have any low bottoms. I had high bottoms. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't start drinking at an, at an early age. I started drinking when the um, drinking age was eighteen, just because that's what kids did. Um, so what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, I hear from the podium all the time. I drank because I wanted to fit in. Mm. Um, that's not the case with me. I just drank because that's what other kids um, did. Um, it's a progressive disease, and um, I didn't know for a long time I was an alcoholic. But looking back. I can tell from the beginning I was an alcoholic. And you grew up here in Quincy, right? I grew up here in Quincy. Um, NECA. Alcoholism, I think, <laughs> um, runs in my genes. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, he was in recovery when he, when he passed. Um, I grew up in Quincy. I got married and to my husband, Dave, and raised our family in Rockland. I have a daughter, Samantha, and then I had a son, um, Lucas, and then I have another daughter, Stacy. Um, I raised them in Rockland. They went to the Rockland Public Schools. And, um, you know, my drinking, it wasn't, you know, I didn't drink during my pregnancies. I could put it down. Um, but somewhere along the line, I, I started drinking to self-medicate. Um, you know, when my son Luke turned 15, he had a, um, a friend of his died in a horrible dirt bike accident. And um, that was the fork in the road, I think, where Luke started going the other way. Mm. You know, growing up, mm. I think Luke was like the smartest of my children. My, both girls were both smart, too. But Luke never had to um, – Luke never – the work came easy to Luke. He was always straight A's. Um, he was just a bright kid, and I had, you know, high expectations for him. Yeah. Um, mm. when, he turned eight, when he turned 15 and he lost his friend, he started what I thought hanging around with the wrong kids. Yeah. Um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, he started acting out in school, and um, so my husband and I stepped in, and we actually remortgaged our house and sent him to boarding school out in Winchenden. Mm. And um, I think he was that was in his sophomore year. His grades were too um, were were had at this point had gotten so bad that we couldn't get him into any of the um, Catholic schools. So our yeah. only option was the boarding school in Winchenden. So I mean, basically, Luke suffered a trauma losing his friend. And and like that's like we we hear around here and from a lot of guests that you know that's usually when people end up you know doing what they do and, and yeah I don't I don't way. I don't know that that's the reason I don't know that he wouldn't have done drugs anyway you know I mean I'll, I'll just never know but he did suffer the trauma I mean being a pallbearer in your friend's um, funeral at age fifteen is pretty traumatic yeah what but, were you what what were you self medicating you said you drank. The- I was self-medicating. Well, I had said I drank for 40 years. At some point, I was self-medicating. I was self-medicating when Luke was suffering his addiction. Ah, uh, hmm. Because 
you know, for a mother to be helpless to help your child, mm. that's traumatic in itself. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. and you know, being being an alcoholic yourself, you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? Like, like you don't have to do anything wrong. Right. You know, you could do everything right and we can still have issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it. But, you know, that's one that's one of the things, you know, like that's what what we'll tell ourselves. And, and that fuels our, our own addiction. Right. But what happened with me? So I was suffering through Luke's addiction, not being able to help him. You know, Luke suffered for 12 years before he passed. Mm-hmm. And um, it was during those 12 years that my drinking got worse. I became a daily drinker. I was self-medicating. So you um, weren't a daily drinker before that? No, no. Mm. No, I know. I started off, you know, with wine and um, I wasn't a daily drinker for a long time. It was mm. probably just like the last decade of my drinking. And I always say I drank for four decades because I drank for 40 years. Yeah. Yep. But the the real progression kicked off in the last 10. Yes. So, wow, just like a sleeping, you know, something waiting to yeah, you, Yeah, you know waiting for I mean? the opportunity to, yeah. you know. Till the trauma comes, yep. you know. I, I was I watched a video about the dopamine system and all that stuff and how we're just like, whatever it is, we're chasing this dopamine all the mm. time. And you figure if you have something bad and you have an addictive person or a possible addictive personality, then you're going to be chasing that rush, whatever it is, whatever that dopamine is. And, and of course, drugs and alcohol give you the, the quickest and easiest and most. Yeah, and, and the, like... You you have these cravings that you want you want to feed as well. You know what I mean? Because you know oh, yeah. that that it's gonna or, the chemical or, hooks. Yeah. Well, we better. believe that it's gonna make us feel better. I just wanted to get numb. You yeah. know. Yeah. When you know aversion, it, we don't want to feel. We exactly. don't want to feel. Exactly. When yeah. by the time Luke was eighteen, he was a heroin addict, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I actually. I actually kept a diary from like 2007 <sighs> until he died in 2015. Wow! I could tell you every sober house he was in. I could tell you every treatment program. I could tell you every halfway house. I could tell you every time he was homeless. I could tell you when he was in prison. Wow! Um, have you have you thought about going to Al-Anon? No, because I'm in AA. I mean, I know people that are in both, but I yeah. I mean, there's people that have have. For what, let me, for, for what reason, I guess? I don't know. It, um, well, uh, it might help you um, sort out, like, what was going on with you. And, and the, the, you probably were focusing on his problem, although it's not happening anymore. But you might have those tendencies to focus on someone else and not... You know, that's what the thing is with Alan is you, they they focus on someone else and, and mm. neglect themselves to the point where they... And I, I've I've been told by people in AA that if if I'm going to work with alcoholics where I'm not suffering from alcoholism anymore, I should go to Al Anon to to help me work with them. It's great. It's it's weird. Okay, but, but hmm. quite frankly, right? <laughs> I think seeing that I've done the work. Yeah, yeah. Um, seeing that I have my faith. Seeing right. that I work with other young women in AA. Yep. Seeing that I work with other bereaved parents. My plate's full. And yeah. I, so. no, 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 I wasn't <laughs> and suggesting. I'm in I was just, yeah. I wasn't <laughs> suggesting. I was just asking because yeah. I don't. I don't. It's just a, a thought that occurred to me because yeah. I would never suggest that somebody do anything or whatever. Yeah, you know, just, yeah. But I think, and 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 on top of all that, I have my faith. 
yeah. mm. which is very, very strong. Right, right. So Yeah, that's, you know. that's fantastic. That's so amazing. now Luke's 18, he's a heroin addict, and you're still drinking, right? Right. And what happened was, you know, all of us, like when Luke turned 18 and became a heroin addict, my night became my life became a nightmare. Mm. You know, looking looking from the outside in, it you know it looked okay to everybody. But right. back then, you know, what do we? It was it was tough love, which I have so many regrets now. Yeah, you know, now it's a disease, and yeah. yeah. But back then, so people didn't tolerate it, and um, you know, I have so many regrets that I let Luke be homeless. And 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 that's the thing. Like now. It, it's the the whole tough love thing. Like you can still like practice that, but in in a more compassionate way. Exactly. You know, like exactly. like setting setting boundaries and setting setting guidelines. That if you don't follow them, you know, and then that just helps you. You know, say something does happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, you didn't turn your back on your own. It's you know, a, it's, it's a fine line between what what's going to help you know between enabling yeah it's, and then you go you know into the tough love it's like which is you know and i think it all depends on the individual i mean my cousin who passed his parents you know bent over backwards and did everything they could to help him in mm-hmm. every way and kept giving him every chance and and uh just Nothing, yeah, nothing. yeah, we we can't control what's going to happen. Yeah, who knows? Who right, knows? Right, but what, what but what I did with Luke, you know, my life was a nightmare, and um, you know, some days it would go like three. Or four. I I always I never would give him money, but I'd always give him food, and I always let him keep his phone so mm. we could stay in touch. Yeah, right. Mm. And um, yeah. you know, there'd be days that would go by and I wouldn't hear from him, mm. and um, you know, then I'd get a call late at night saying he had nowhere to sleep that night or he was in the Quincy train station sleeping. And um, I would keep that to myself because it hurt so bad. Yeah, I yeah. didn't share it with my husband. I didn't share it with my daughters because I didn't want them to feel, mm. I hurt so bad. Why have somebody else hurt? So I kept all those things to myself. Mm. I was always the one that stayed in touch with Luke, going around Quincy Center, driving around, trying to look yeah. for him, trying to find him. Um, he spent a lot of time at the Quincy Library. You know, whether in, in there, out, you know, getting out of the cold or using the computer or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But I always stayed in touch with them. But, you know, that's like when I was self-medicating. It's very hard to lay your head down the pillow at night and go to sleep knowing you don't know where your son's sleeping. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, that's I can remember one time stress. I met Luke in Quincy, and um, I went to CBS to get him a couple of things that he needed, and I dropped him off. He wasn't even staying in the shelter that night. I didn't know where he was going to stay. Yeah. You know, so it was, that's how, I can remember there was a um, a time when I used to, in work, at lunchtime, look at the Patriot Ledger, because there were um, overdoses and a body was found, and I had a cousin yeah. that worked at the Quincy Police Station, and I'd call her to see if they had a name yet, knowing mm. fully well that it could have been, it could yeah, be Luke. Yeah, and that's, that's a terrible way to Word. live. Yeah, that you know, is and, really tough. And, you know, thankfully, like, you... Uh, you know, like you said, you've you've been able to work th- through this stuff, right? You know, but let me get to the um, the good part. So, you know, I did become a daily drinker, and it got to the point I'm praying to God every day. I don't want to drink today. Mm-hmm. I don't want to drink. And you go through the whole day, and at, by the time the day's over, I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. So I finally lost my self respect, yeah. and that's, um, you know, and I got caught, you know, and because um, I was. 
you know, I kind of kept it to myself as much as I could. Mm. Um, and I went to the halls of AA. And now, did you go to detox? No, I didn't. No detox? No. No. Oh. no. Um, and I went to AA, and I went to um, Hanson Unity. That's my home group. Yep. And, um, and I can remember Luke was living in a sober house in Whitman, and I went over there, and I, um, I told him that I joined AA. And he's like, why? And I says, because I'm an alcoholic. And he says to me, I know. He's like, don't tell me. He's like, those people in, the people in AA are the nicest people, right? <laughs> I'm like, yep. <laughs> I'll so he didn't even know that you had a problem. No. So we can be pretty good at keeping secrets, right? Right. Well, now, how about your husband? Probably was pretty unaware too. He, he <laughs> right? probably he probably did. Yeah, yeah. He, he probably knew. Yeah, but and my daughters. Yeah. Your daughters. Yeah. Yeah, they did. But a lot. But many, many people didn't. Right. You know, people right. that I worked with didn't. Yeah, that, that's well, the thing. People look, would we say gotta, we got to look good on the outside. You right. Know what I mean, right. That, people would also probably say, "Can you blame her?" Yeah. So, you know what I mean. It, I mean, that's, you know, in your own, you're in your own little hell, and you don't realize it, what's causing it, and, and the people around you are saying, well, you know, can you blame her for drinking? But, you know, back then, too, though, it was almost like I was mourning, you know, I had lost my child before I lost him. Right. Okay, right. you guys know, right? I lost him to addiction before, yeah. right. before I really lost him. And, um, but back then, it was, like, it was like I was mourning the death of my child back then. Mm-hmm. But people had, didn't have any compassion back then. Right, right. You know, lots of people, except for my very, very close friends and family, would never even ask about them. Right. And, you know, they, you, you think that there's stigma now. Like, I'm, I'm sure that you, you Oh, know, back then it was horrible. Yeah, I'm sure there was people, you know, talking shit or whatever, you know. And, and that, that doesn't help you, you know what I mean? It's, right. Because, and, and, like, then you're, you're not even able to talk about it. You know what I mean? Right. With not not with normal people. You know, oh, yeah, my my son's shooting heroin, and you know what I mean? They get a look on their face or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, horrified. Yeah. Like right. I was the first time I realized mm-hmm. it. I, I mean, I understand it. it. I still hear it from a certain, certain age of person. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're just like, you know, they say awful things. Yeah. Because they don't get it. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, luckily there's, there's people out there that are, that are breaking the stigma, you know, like yourself coming on here tonight and, uh, you know, sharing your experience with everybody. But Luke was in and out of AA for yeah. years, mm. you know, right? You can't, yeah. you can't know unless you've walked in their shoes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pretend that I know weird things like that. I wouldn't know, like having gone to war, say, or, or, or you know, being a woman who's been raped or anything like this. I, I can't sit there and judge someone. Yeah, right. No, but you a know, lot of people in their do. actions, and they yeah. do. Yeah, it's it's preposterous. It is. You know, it's terrible. If you if you want to really sound like a fool, start judging someone who in something that you've never experienced. Exactly. You know what I mean? Doesn't stop it though. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're saying that Luke was in and out, right? And um, the last time, so. So the last time Luke was in detox, he was in High Point in Brockton, and um, he didn't hardly ever come home at, to live after a um, after a detox. Yeah. My husband wanted him to go for further treatment, and I did too. But this particular time, he um, he had been sober previously for a while, 
And then he relapsed, and he went back to High Point in, um, in Brockton, and they didn't have a step-up bed. Oh, yeah, the like uh, TSS the or CSS. program or whatever. Yeah. So he, um, <clears throat> he was allowed to come home. And um and there were times when he wasn't even allowed in the house over the course of the years because yeah. of his addiction. So he came home, and um, well, let me go back. Um, a year a year before that, in two thousand and fourteen, he was in High Point in Brockton, and and um, or two thousand and thirteen, I forget. But then anyway, um, he missed his older sister's wedding. You know, I yeah. had prayed all year long that he would be sober enough to go to his sister's wedding. And um, his sister was going to get married in January. And um, come November, I realized that wasn't going to happen. And so Luke was in High Point. He left against medical against medical advice. Yep. And um, when I talked with him, I asked him why he left, and he said he wanted to go to his sister's wedding. And I just said, that's not going to happen. You think you're going to see your si- You haven't seen your sister in a year. You think you're going to see her for the first time so on he the was, wedding day? So he was planning this on November? Or December, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. But I'm sure that there was too much time in between the time he left and the wedding. Right. You know, if right. it was like the day before, he you know, he probably would have made it. But, but anyway, yeah. so um, then in 2013, in two, my sober date is October 28th, 2013. So in September of 2014, he came home from High Point and he came to our house to live. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he came to Hanson Unity and saw me get my one-year medallion and um, him and a friend and whatever. And um, he was living with in our house and his friends, and he was active in his program. He yeah. was a member yeah. of Rockland Young People. He was a member of 373. He was a member of Braintree Young People, yeah. um, the Freedom Group. And he was really chasing his recovery. And at this point, this is the time that my family kind of got to know how the AA, how AA works. Yeah. Because prior to that, my husband would be, you know, make a joke. Oh, you're going to the hot dog meeting? <laughs> they, and, and you're not going to talk to anybody about, you know, I'm not going to tell my husband about me doing the fourth step. Yeah, you just right, don't, right? right? If right. they're not in the program, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just don't. So... And you can't you can't really talk to them about what what goes on at the meeting either. You know what I mean? If you if you want to stick with right, you know, but what my you point, see here and who you see, yeah, right. But yeah. so Luke's in the in the house. He's working his program. I'm working my program. His friends are over, so we're we're talking about AA and whatnot. So my family's listening, and asking questions. Yeah. So my family got to know a, kind of you know a lot about the AA program. And um, before Luke got his car back. I'd drop him off at his meeting. I'd go to my meeting. You know, I'd pick him up. We'd come home. My point being, it was like, it was the best ten, 10 months of my life in yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. My husband and I would take two vacations a year, and we'd leave Luke to watch the house. I used to say to Luke, well, you can say this at the podium, you're watching the house now when before, you know, a couple of years ago, you weren't allowed in the house. Yeah, right. And um, and then I can remember, and my other daughter was going to get married the following fall, and Luke was going to be in the wedding mm-hmm. after missing his other sister's wedding. And um, he was going to walk me down the aisle. And my heart was just full of pride. I was just, like, going to be so proud of him. Mm-hmm. And um, and I can remember I can remember coming home from work one day, and he was in the den with his sponsor reading the big book. And I was, I, like, almost started crying. I said, my God, I think it's going to work this time. Yeah, yep. I think it's going to wow. work this time. And... Um, and then it didn't, and he had a relapse, and he overdosed. You know when he relapsed. Yeah. That was in July of two thousand and fifteen. 
But um, but you know, it's 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 awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you have and, very low tolerance when you're when you're when you've been sober for a while, and then you go back. A lot of people uh, relapse. Uh, overdose when they do that yeah. my cousin was the same story he went to six months in a program come back rela- uh, overdosed yeah it's uh but that's the thing like it, trying trying to stress to someone how important it is to stay in in the work you know i i've sat down with so many guys and got up to like step three you know and and then all right now you're gonna do some writing and it's like they ghost I know when I first got sober. Well, after I did the work, and I was, um, I I did the work through a big book step study mm-hmm. meeting with the big book step study sponsor, and that's how that's the only way I'll sponsor a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I stood up to say, you know, I, I'll sponsor, raised my hand. I was afraid I was going to have all these sponsors. <laughs> and, then, and then a friend of mine said, that's not how it works. Because sure, someone asked me to sponsor them. Yeah. And then, you know, they never called. And then another person would ask me to sponsor them. And I said, yeah. And a um, couple of months, they're gone. Or again, you just yeah. do step three. And then they're out the door because they don't want to do any writing. Yeah, your, your, your failures far outweigh your successes. But by you taking that step, you know, that, that's like paying your insurance. You know exactly, what I mean? exactly. On, on your recovery. Mm. And that's the same and I have to tell you what I found too, okay? Same same thing in my grief. Mm. Um, how did I get through my grief? By helping other mothers that came after me. Mm-hmm. It works the same way as AA. Yeah. You know, a, a problem shared is a problem cut in half. Yeah. Same thing with my grief. And you know what? After Luke passed, I can remember I I I heard of another overdose. Um, Luke was found on, you know, in parking lot on Route 18. I've heard of another overdose um, in another parking lot on Route 18, like two weeks after Luke passed. And um, and you know, I I, I knew what the funeral arrangements were going to be, and somebody told me or whatever. And I went to the funeral parlor up on Route 18, the big one up there. And, All across um, the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to give the funeral director my phone number for the mom. Mm-hmm. And um and sure enough, I was at the door. The mom was at the door too, and um I introduced myself. And the funeral director wanted to know who she was, and she was there bringing clothes for her son, who I was. And I said, I lost my son two weeks ago. And the funeral director said, oh, you know, come in. And he put us in a room together and just spent, you know, just the heart, the hurt was like so bad. I didn't want another mother to yeah to, to yeah. feel like you know to feel that hurt. And I just wanted to be there for them. Mm. I probably went to. Five or six funerals of people I didn't know, yeah. just to give my number. Um, some of them called, some of them didn't. Right, one of right. them is probably one of my best friends now. Really? It was um, wow, Matt. That's cool. Um, Matt Shea in Rockland that died. Okay. So he was also used to go to Rockland Young People at some point. Yeah, but I mean, see now, like you, you unfortunately you had to suffer what you had to suffer, but now, like you, you have this purpose that. You know, you can you can help other parents that have suffered the way that you have, and you know maybe I try. just yeah maybe just by sharing your experience with them, they don't have to you know go through or 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 not know what to do because that I've, I've said it many times it's it's twenty twenty and people still don't know what to do to get sober um, or or mm-hmm. how, or dealing with grief. You know, it's you can't put a time limit on that stuff. You know, but I'm sure. Just like for myself, when I'm sitting down working with another person, man, I'm, I'm I, I feel awesome. 
You know what I mean? And, and watching people, you know, better their lives and and become right. productive members of society. Like, there's there's no better feeling than that. What do you What do you think about grief counseling? What's that stuff like? Have you know anything I do? I that? went to a um, grief counselor one on one for a year. Oh, really? And yeah. what did you think of it? Do you think um, it was worthwhile? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But what's What's even better, I think, is um, there's many, many grief groups for parents who have lost a child to an overdose. Okay. Um, there's one in this building here. Yeah. I think it's run by uh, my friend Robin, the Sun Will Rise Foundation. Yeah. She lost her son, Nick, about two weeks prior to Luke's, Luke passing. It's, yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like in, in death, when you, when, you're, you know, when you meet another bereaved parent, like you never forget the child's name you just right. don't right you know yep. um oh, but yeah. i went to a i went to a grief group in hansen um that grief group is called matthew's candle my friend mary lost her son matthew and that was probably i think seven years ago um and then um the sun will rise foundation has lots of grief groups i think I think she runs probably. She's got different mothers that yep. have lost a child that run um, a, a grief group in Quincy here at this building in Weymouth, um, Bridgewater, Mansfield. This I think maybe like six of them. Have you ever met uh, John and Stephanie Green? Oh yeah, no first time. Yeah, I know them yeah. too. I know them all. Yeah, it's like we're we bond. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, and 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 you have it's it's almost like a, a fellowship in that. Exactly, you know? it is. You know, and it is. and we need that. Like we need to be a community and, and and help each other. That's that's how things are supposed to be. We have a Facebook um, grief group. It's called Team Sharing in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Cheryl, who lost her son Corey about seven years ago, um, started that group because she was in Florida when her son Corey died, and she had nobody to turn to. And then mm. she moved back up to Massachusetts. And um, then somehow she got hooked up with Mary that has the, the grief group in Hanson. And um, they and um, Cheryl started the um, team sharing Facebook page. There's now a chapter in, I don't know, many, many states in the really? United States. So it's called team sharing? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we can put it in the comments later for, you know, if, if yeah. someone needs it. You know what I mean? We'll, uh, we'll throw it in there later on. Are Absolutely. These, these groups are they hosted by a, a, a like a, a counselor or are they just a, a fellowship of of people? bereaved parents? Bereaved parents. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's that's how you know we do what we do. And, yeah. You know, it's just one person helping another. It's the same thing. Yeah, it is. You can you can use all the same principles. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what about prior to? Luke's passing. Now, did you ever go to learn to cope or anything like that? Yeah. Yes, I went to learn to cope. Mm. Um, for many, many years, um, I, you know, I had Luke in counseling. Mm. Um, I don't, I went to another support group down in Hanover. I don't remember the name of it or whatever. It was yeah. a small group. But, um, yeah, learn to cope was helpful. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, back then it was the tough love. Right, right. Which I have regrets over now. You know, if I had to do it over now, I would not let Luke be be homeless you know i mm. i don't know I, I don't know what i'd do but how i would prevent it but yeah it's just you did it, you did the best you you knew how to do at the time. yeah and and you know you, unfortunately what happened happened and you know who's to say you doing anything different would have changed what had happened you know right I, and i and it's i i haven't felt that way so 
you know, I can't really tell you how to, right, how I'm, to do I'm, it. I'm right. okay today. Yeah. You know, when I am, um, before Luke passed, you know, I always say alcohol brought me to AA and AA brought me back to God. Mm. Um, so before Luke passed, in January of 2015, I started um, reading the big book with my step study sponsor. And then in March, I did the third step prayer and I chose to do it at um, 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. Mass in the morning with her. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started doing the work. And that April, I went back to um, the Catholic Church. I had left it for a while. I won't go into the reasons why. But I went back to the Catholic Church on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so that was like eight weeks before Luke passed. And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. Right, right. Had you not done right. that, right? I don't. If if ever there was a reason to drink, that would have been the reason. Right. You know, but like, not just that. I needed to have my God when Luke passed. I needed to have mm-hmm. my faith. Yeah. You know, and um, and so I had already started writing, and then Luke passed, so I put the pencil down for six months. Yeah. And um, then I picked it up again, and it wasn't until. Two years later that I finished. Mm-hmm. took me a long time. But my point being, you know, I got everything resolved, any issues that I had in my head of regrets and mm-hmm. it, through the work. Yeah. So, and, and, you I know, felt bad yeah. for my sponsor. I think it was a hard <laughs> fifth step for her. But right, oh, yeah. she was great. Yeah. She was great. You That's know. cool. So now um, you ended up, you know, making it through that. Mm-hmm. And and moving on to help other parents, um, what else is, have you been doing since then? Well, with our grief, uh, with our team sharing, mm. we um, we traveled. There was a, um, maybe twenty of us traveled with. Are you familiar with Jim Wahlberg? Mm, no. All right, of the no. Wahlberg brothers. Oh, okay. All right, Jim's in recovery. Yep, yep. And um, he produced this film called If Only. You can Google it. And it's about a, um, and it was actually the the actors in it are all local people. Mm-hmm. People, um, it was a low budget film. It was maybe like forty minutes, thirty five minutes. Yeah. And it was a film about um, two boys that got into drugs in high school. It was filmed in, um, I think, Marlborough. Yeah. And two boys got into drugs, and one mother um, got her son into you know rehab and whatnot. The other mother was naive and just you know, denied it. Well, the mother that denied it, her son ended up dying. The The boys were like, were friends. Mm. And um, in the film shows the the funeral and um, the funeral mass and, you know, at the cemetery. And all the actors in there were local people. A lot of them were mothers that yeah. had lost a child. Oh, wow. And um, anyway, so Jim has that <coughs> film and he um, he shows it at local high schools and he sh- he has showed it all, all over the... Um, country and we went down um a couple of years ago we went down to washington dc about 20 of us and every time he shows the film he has us bereaved parents come with the picture of our child and at the end of the film he has us stand on the stage and say what is a what does the parent of an addict look like and it's like you know yeah just normal people exactly Mm. that's his whole point and so we went down he showed it to the um the dea the Mm. drug enforcement agency we showed the film down there to the whole, I don't know how many hundreds of people worked there. And um, and he, he, the reason for us going down there was to get funds from the DEA so that Jim could go around the country and show the film. And he has done that. That's awesome. Wow. And um, 
like I said, we've the other thing that um, I was very active in after Luke passed um, was the um, the no wrong door policy. Are you familiar oh, yes, with that? Yes. Um, uh, it sounds but, familiar, but it hasn't. Remember. It still hasn't been really implemented, right? So it we, has. It has ex- it. Explain it real quick. Yeah, the no wrong door policy is a policy that the Department of Public Health always had in place, although nobody knew about it mm. nor enforced it. Okay, okay, so how could it be? Um, how could it be um, used? It was a policy that if a person should go into a detox for for um, help, they couldn't be turned away. Okay, they had to. They had to. Like before, I'm, I know Luke used to say this to me, Mom, I need $30, I need to go get high, and they're not going to let me into detox. And I used to say, baloney. Right. You know, that's right. not. But I can remember um, one of the last times I drove Luke around Brockton so he could, so he could buy dope. So Because he, he needed some, have something in his something system. Something in his system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I can remember sitting outside of Dunkin' Donuts while Luke went in to get high, not knowing if he was going to overdose or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And then I, and then I brought him to detox um, I've talked to people since, like outside at at High Point, yeah. that they have told me how many ambulances have to come outside of the detox in Brockton because people have overdosed. In the up, parking lot, getting ready to go inside. Because yeah. if they went wow. in and they didn't have, um, you know, drugs in their urine, yeah, they wouldn't be allowed in. Yeah, a, a friend of mine, away. a friend of mine who's since gotten sober, he, we've had him on here. Uh, Jimmy Bradley, he he went to I think it might have been High Point, and it was right at the beginning of fentanyl, and they tested him and they said you have nothing in your system because he's it was like fentanyl. I, I just got high in your bathroom, like no I, I he's like I'm I'm hurting, and yeah and I think they can also um, if they are already detoxed they can go into treatment from that. As well, the no wrong door policy, yeah, well, right? Yes. So the no wrong door policy is a rule where the the detoxes have to take you and do something with you, right? Exactly, right. Okay. They need to offer you help and, and and assist you, even if it's just a holding while you're waiting for a halfway house. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah, because you know, like you said, so many people are are di- like to tell an alcoholic to go and, and drink so you can get into detox. You don't know if they're ever going to make it back. Well, what happened right. that's, was that's there was this. Um, this woman down the Cape that was working on this, but she couldn't get any 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 steam behind her. She couldn't get any supporters. Yeah. So somehow, you know, again, there's no coincidences. Somehow, I got hooked up with her on Facebook, and and being a bereaved mother, I said I can get a lot of support. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I did. I brought a lot of bereaved parents into it, and we held meetings over at um, local 103. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. You know, that building down there in Dorchester, yep. we had meetings and we explained to people. And um, we eventually met with the um, Attorney General, um, Maura Healy. Yep, Maura Healy. And, um, and her staff, and we got them behind behind it. They put out a, um, you know, a number that people could call if the no wrong door policy wasn't implemented. Yeah. They put signs up in every, um, in every detox in Massachusetts, so that people would know about it. Yeah, yeah. And um, and you know, I don't know that it became a perfect system, but right, but I right. think it helped a lot because I had um, I had friends that worked in detoxes, and they were kind of telling me that it was working. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's well, that's cool. That's yeah, good. that's I mean, that's really important because you know, if you've made it or detoxed on the street, 
you know, and, and and you're like, I can't do this. I need to just get in somewhere. But you couldn't get in unless you had something in your system, you know, or say, you know, like like someone like yourself, let your your child stay at home and, and, and detox, you know, but now they want to go on to and get some treatment. Like, you know, it, it's like playing Russian roulette. You have no idea what's going to happen. Well, yeah, right? Even, right. If, even if you smoked a cigarette at the wrong time and you got kicked out of a yeah. – out of a – half out of a house or yeah whatever, just to, to get into another to one get back in you have to use again yeah that's right like insane and, and it, insane. say you have how five many, months six months right how many people overdosed that one last time and died yeah yeah it's you know it um i i heard about it a few years back and uh i i really wish that they would um implement the section 35 for like the full 90 days too well i can i can understand them uh, not being admitted to a medical detox facility, yeah. If they don't need medical assistance, but I think that they need at least to a holding help, to a get holding yeah, or you know further treatment. Yeah, a holding just to get into somewhere else. But that's the thing. Unfortunately, it's a business. Well, yeah. And so, all right, now we're going to take this person in, but we're not going to get the the money from insurance for the detox part of it. So now we're just going to put them in. A holding bed, you know, where we get less money for them, it, and and the policies that are out there, are, they just aggravate me, and I don't want to get whole, into it. I know, <laughs> you know, that could be a whole entire another show. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm sh- sure that there's lots of people that don't know, and also the Good Samaritan law. Yes. So if you're with someone, and someone overdoses. As long as you don't have any warrants, nothing's going to happen to you. If you have drugs on you, they they may take them from you. They may not take them from you. It, it all depends. But, you know, so many people are left like, you know, like Luke was by themselves. And, and they these people don't know about this Good Samaritan law. They're worried about getting arrested. And, I mean, that's, that's why I ran from the cops every time, you know, because I right. didn't want to be sick. You there know? was there was some kid I didn't know <clears throat> when I lived in Seattle and and I and I helped him from my apartment to the store. I thought I could just get him a cup of coffee and bring him out of it. Yeah, for some reason. But I stayed with him. I sla- stayed with him, slapping him in the face and all that stuff. Yeah. Until I saw the ambulance and I heard I heard the ambulance coming around the corner, and I knew it was right there and I left. Yeah. I found and, a kid overdosed behind the wheel of his car on Adams Street in Dorchester. I was sitting at a set of lights, and the kid was in front of me in, in a BMW, and the light churned, and I'm like, okay, he's not going. I'm beeping. He's not going. Then I'm looking in the car, and he's got his foot on the brake, and he's between the seats, overdosed. So wow. I I get out. I I go around him, and I look, and I can see him. I'm like, oh, my God. I think that kid's OD'd. Mm. <clears throat> and I went in. I, I pulled my truck over. I... uh. I went up to the window. I could see that the car was in drive. His foot was on the brake. So the first thing I did was put the car in park. Mm. And two seconds later, right after that, his foot went off the brake onto the gas. Oh, wow. And the motor's revving, and I'm trying to wake him up. And he was in a halfway house. He ended up relapsing. He he was like, I'm not going to be able to get back in, blah, blah, blah. I ended up hopping in his car, driving him to Quincy Medical Center. And... um. He he ended up, uh, and it was funny because I was going to Mattapan to drop cigarettes off for my sister because she was in treatment, <laughs> and uh, I said, 
wait right here or go inside. I'll be right back. And and by the time I had gone to Mattapan, dropped her off cigarettes and came back, the kid was had already overdosed again in the parking lot without even doing any more drugs. Wow. Um, it I Narcan wasn't available for everybody back nar- then. Narcan, yeah. yeah, no, I always um, carry it with me. This is like 2011 or 12, and mm. uh, he ended up leaving AMA from the hospital. Because I seen the security guard. I was like, hey, did you see a kid that was in this car? She's like, oh, yeah, we found him on the ground. He's inside. He left AMA. Um, He. So I I remember seeing a name on a tag in his in the car. Like uh, it was a dry cleaning tag. So I Googled the name and it was his dad. Oh, wow. So I called his dad and said, "Um, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're your son had overdosed and I brought him to Quincy Medical Center. And he's like, no. I'm like, yeah, he was driving a gold BMW. He goes, yeah, that's my wife's car. It's out in the driveway. I'm like, I don't think it is. And he ended up going out there and, and coming back. He's like, yeah, you're right. I was like, well, he was at Quincy Medical. And um, he ended up calling me back the next day uh, saying that his son had left the hospital AMA Went down the street, robbed a house, ended up getting arrested. Wow! It was, and and I was at Rockland. Yeah. And I hear, I I'm looking at a kid, and I'm like, he looks. I walked up to him. I'm like, hey, is your name so and so? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, I found you in Dorchester one night, and he was like, holy crap, that was you! Like, it was <laughs> wow, crazy. Amazing. But yeah, like he like you were talking about the the no wrong door policy. He was scared because he wouldn't be able to go back to his halfway house because he ended up screwing up. You know, right. and, yeah. and you know, so his only thing to think of was to use more. You know, I know. Well, that's what we do. Yeah, it's crazy. That's what we do. So now, you know, just recently, you ended up, you know, losing your nephew as well. Yeah. Um, to the same thing. Um, and you know, you're able to be there for it's your sister, right? My sister, yeah. right? And uh, that was his name was Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had known Chris as well. Um, but like you said, you know, it's when you go to to twelve step meetings. If you aren't doing the twelve steps, you know, it's kind of exactly. not going to work. I you know? um You know, I always oh. have people in my big book step study meetings say um, they were sober for twelve years and they were going insane until they and then they found big book and that's why they went to big book. Mm. I always say when I share. I was fine, pretty pretty much, but I'm a pretty logical person, and, and I figured if I was in a twelve step program, I probably ought to do the steps. Yes, yeah. But yes, in yeah. the end, again, there's no coincidences, right? In the end, I needed I needed to do that work. Yeah, help, help absolutely. me through Luke's death and his whole addiction and yeah. the way different people treated him, and that all got resolved through the through the work. Yeah, and and we're we're not saying that that's the only way that people can get sober. Right, Thank you. by any yeah. means, just by um, and also this, there's 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 people who are who just go to open discussion meetings, say or oh, whatever, and, mm-hmm. and they they do fine. But you know, there's there's a there's a significant amount of people who uh, who really benefit from. Oh, absolutely, steps. absolutely. I know it helped me a lot, um, mm-hmm. and, and I did. I I was AWOL. Yeah. So and. Still, but I mean, you're you do what you do, and, and that's the thing. That's the beauty of it as well. Like, there's no right way or or wrong way really to do recovery, right? You right. know, but your chances are better 
if you do the work the way yes, it's laid out. Yes, if, yeah. if you do some work on yourself. I, I got a giant notebook full that I never finished. Yeah, so. and but I did the A well, but but that's that's another thing. Like twelve step work is going to help you with your your alcoholism and and your drug addiction. Even says in in that book that other things are going to may need to be addressed as well and you should seek out professionals for that stuff mm-hmm. you right. know like like traumas like whatever like you you having finance problems you don't you know you're not going to talk to your big book sponsor about your finances you know what i mean you're going <laughs> to yeah, talk yeah, to someone yeah. that deals with finances right. right you know uh but it's you know for for most for most people you know you, we need to get rid of that stuff that that we bury and, and that we stress and worry about and get anxiety about yeah i'd say that's just about everybody it's just a matter of how how your your best method if yeah. you don't work on yourself and you don't go through all this all the the mm-hmm. character defects and the the reasons for who you become and you know all this stuff then you, you know you keep all that stuff in it's yeah not, it, the, the biggest if you don't change that's right. Nothing you, changes if, if nothing you don't changes. change. <laughs> when I first read the big book, Cover to Cover, my first thought was every high school, sh- it should be a requirement. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. I know. Man. And that's the thing. <laughs> I, I remember going to the castle, which no longer exists. That place was closed for adolescents. Um, Where was that? That was in the High Point Treatment Center oh, over okay. in Brockton. Um, I remember they had a thing on the wall that said the 12 steps for everybody. And it, you know, a couple yeah. of words have been changed, but basically, if if you know, the whole world <laughs> did the twelve steps, be much better world. yeah, we'd have a much better place. <laughs> have you ever, ever seen the, the twelve steps next to the passages in the Bible that say the exact same thing? No, yeah. no, no I but I can imagine because yeah. that's what that's what I said. Alcohol yeah. brought me to AA, and AA brought me back to God. Because yeah. when mm. I read through the the book, it was like, yeah, it was like. The Bible, it's yeah. like yeah. my Catholic upbringing. It's, it, it's funny. I was, I had a therapist up in the square, and he, you know, he shot out a a, a passage in the Bible. He goes, "They've been talking. They've been writing about us for years." He goes, "Look, right. it's right here." Mm-hmm. You know, and it talked about, you know, if if once you've deciphered the the language, it talked about people, you know, having that profound personality change when they drink. Yeah. You know, when I went when I went through the I saw that they had that poster when I went through the Salvation Army in Sarasota, Florida. They had a program. My uh, my grandfather, my step grandfather, uh, ran the program down there, and that was just like side by side, twelve steps, and you know, one through twelve, and one through twelve over here with different passages. And yeah, pretty much, you know, it's yeah. the same thing. Mm. Yep, it's not exactly the same because there's action steps that are very specific yes you know yes and to tell you the truth for years before i i went to step study meetings for i mean the first four years of my sobriety without fail and sometimes two or three a week yeah yeah but before i i did that this time like i've been trying to get sober for a while i never even knew the steps were in the big book <laughs> I, I really didn't yeah i thought they were in that small one you yeah know what I mean? the 12 and 12 <laughs> 12 and 12 yeah <laughs> right it's crazy you know, but uh so um now what? What's been going? You you just said you earlier. You said you retired. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I resigned from my posi- my job on Monday. Yeah. Oh, on Monday. But I guess you never know. You retired until you don't go back to work again. Yeah. So, congratulations. That's, but I was going to cool. bring up something else yeah. before. Talk about whatever um, you want. Another thing I had the opportunity to do, and again, it was just from meeting somebody on Facebook. 
I spoke at the Massachusetts Nurses, Nurses Convention mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago, and um, and I spoke about losing Luke and about how the nurses need to have more empathy for the addicts. Mm. Um, you know, having um, my oldest daughter is now a nurse practitioner, but she was a nurse prior to that, and my youngest daughter is a nurse. And um, after them losing their brother, they um, they have a lot more empathy. Yeah. I think um, South Shore yeah. Hospital actually put out a video, didn't they, Not a couple years ago? Um, about nurses addressing that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, but I know definitely that saying you know that just because someone's an addict doesn't mean they're not a person. Exactly. You know? And but, uh, I've seen it firsthand. They've made um, a lot of progress. Someone, someone that had, uh, someone that had overdosed, and you know what a nurse had said to them was freaking horrible i'm sure you it know. comes down to the 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 walk a mile in someone's shoes yeah it's you like, don't know what you did to your family and but it's like a it's like a, a, a as a construction worker you know you 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 hear a lot of people um and not recently really but i've heard people talk about homeless people like they're lazy or something <gasps> you know what i mean oh yeah and oh my god it's it, homelessness has to do with two things and, and that i've experienced Drug addiction and alcoholism, and uh, mental illness. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. And, and not not even always. Um, there was there was a video that I seen or a major couple trauma. years ago. Yeah, a video <laughs> that I seen. Like, I go by Father Bill's. I don't know, ten times a day because mm-hmm. I. Oh yeah. You know, and I see it, and and you know, some people, someone could have got divorced. Lost everything, yeah. You know, and and okay. So now you're homeless, right? You you can't go shower somewhere. You you don't have you most likely lost all of your clothes. You probably don't have a phone. So now you need to get a phone so you can try and apply for a job and and have someone call you and and you know. And if you go into a shelter or something like that, nine times out of ten they're not going to let you keep your phone the whole entire time you're in there, anyways. You know, like. Homelessness doesn't have, you know, that's that's a whole different aspect to this. Um, Man, I tell you, you what, you never know you never why know someone's, someone's in a position that through. they're in. Right. That's right. You never know. know. A lot of bereaved parents too. We've done this, and I've done this in um, on Luke's anniversary. Done outreach to the homeless. Yeah. Through different organizations. Yep. Yep. A lot of bereaved parents do that. Yeah, I, I see a lot of cool stuff like. Barbers taking all the tools out and going right out to the homeless community and hooking everybody up with haircuts. And see, that's beautiful. But yeah, I'm I'm reluctant to give money on the street to someone who stands at the traffic light. Me too. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean because you know it's going to go right to the. You booth. say you're hungry. I'll go buy you some food. Come on, you let's go. Hungry. You right. say you're hungry. That there's there's shelters who serve giant meals. I used to serve it uh, yeah. when I was in a holding, but every night. You yeah. know what I mean. If yeah. you're hungry, they serve you meal. To, that you f- make you full. Yeah, yeah. At, at least once a day at the shelter, yeah. and then another one you can go for lunch and you know dinner and lunch. I did it. <laughs> I yeah. did it when I was running around Brockton. One of the most embarrassing times of my life when I was active was walking into a soup kitchen, and my next door neighbor that I grew up with was the lady servant, and I'm like, oh, I and I was so embarrassed I didn't want to eat, and she just looked at me. She's like. What are you doing, baby? You know what I mean? Just here. Mm. Like, no judgment whatsoever. Well, here's the thing. Like, that doesn't solve everything. Right. But it it does solve food. Right. right? So 
So that's good. But, you know, I don't know what kind of programs they have other than that. Yeah. You know, like you say, they need they need a place to use a computer. They need yep. a, a phone. They need uh, clean clothes. Yep, and, yep. Uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, possibly new skills yeah and, and and that's the well, thing someone just could be on hard luck yeah know? there is an organization that does that now oh yeah it's called um one life at a time yeah something mm. something like that Beautiful. it's run by a woman um, chris o'neill out of braintree and um she's working collaboratively now with a lot of the halfway houses oh really and i think she'll sometimes Pay for a person's st- stay at a halfway house for a couple of weeks, yep. but that person is obligated to go to her program um, for the one or two weeks. Yep. And what her program does, they'll they might have reading lessons if you need it, um, mm. computer skills, resume yep. writing, yep, interview, um, job search. Yeah. See that this this people are finding you know niches for everything. There's so many more great. things now and there's there's been a lot of progress made there's still i think room for a lot more progress but to go back to the nurses i know my own daughter who's a nurse practitioner i can give you one example she had a patient i might get some of the facts wrong but he had i think a knee surgery Mm. and he was a recovering addict and he didn't want he was afraid of going home with the pain pills yeah and Mm. um my daughter and with the staff there they came up with an alternative plan for him which required him to stay in the hospital an extra day, which the insurance agreed to. And um, they did some kind of a block thing. I don't know the medical term. but so Oh, that, a, a nerve blocker. Probably. Something like yeah, that, yeah. so that he could be on less pain meds. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there's actually, cool. there's actually medication out there that is non-narcotic that, that you can take. But like I, I, I had a, um, my appendix, and I went in there, and I told him, I said, listen, I'm a recovered <clears throat> heroin addict. I don't want any opioids. Right. And the nurse that was there, they if if you have an allergy or something like that, you have a red a red bracelet. He wrote no opioids on. He goes because sometimes you have a surgery, they don't ask. They give you a pain med anyways. I have a sister. Hmm. I have, well, I have three sisters, but one of my sisters, her son is in recovery. Hmm. He was an addict, and her other son, she's got three sons. Her other son went in for knee surgery. And she told the doctor, we don't want any opiates. And the doctor says, you're going to need it. And almost like forced to give her a script. She had to tell him three times. And then she finally said, I have one son that's an addict. I don't need another one that's an addict. Yeah. And and it it could happen that, you know, that that, like we were talking earlier, sitting there laying dormant, you know, resting. And then you put in that, those opioids and, you know, and I ended up leaving. I said, if you're going to give me something to, while I'm out, that's fine. But I don't want to wake up and feel high. Right, you know, if right. if you need to give me something, and I think they use fentanyl to to actually sedate you. Hmm. Um, but like that's the thing, like if someone says they don't want opiates, like listen to them. Yeah, right, you know, right. I can I separated my shoulder, I took ibuprofen, I was fine with it. You know what I mean? Did it hurt? Of course it did. But you know that could have been an uh, an excuse. And I remember you talking about your faith. I remember when I did it, like one of the first I was. In recovery, hadn't done any work yet. One of the first things I thought about when I hurt myself, I'm going to get painkillers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I'm up in New Hampshire. I'm like, no one's going to know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the hospital, and my higher power walks into the room, and it was in the form of my son. And he goes, hey, Dad, you know you can't take any opiates, right? 
I'm like, ah, oh. you know, but like that was the first thing that came into my head when I hurt oh, yeah. myself. Well, when I lost Luke, the first thing my daughter said to me was, mom, do you feel like you want to drink? And I said, no. And I didn't kind of like in reverence to Luke because he was mm. in the program too. Mm. But I'll tell you, after the um, funeral and after the first couple of weeks, yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to drink. Yeah, I wanted of course. to drink so bad. Yeah. And in my head, it's I'm thinking like, they'll understand, they'll understand. It's Of course they will. I lost my son. I'll yeah. just... Drink yeah. tonight, and I'll yeah, go back excuse. tomorrow and get my chip, twenty-four hour chip, and everybody will. It'll be, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, at the but the way I didn't, I had people in the fellowship that called me every single day. Yeah, that for gorilla's weeks, just for knocking weeks. on the door. Yeah, but I had yeah. people call me, and and I and the other thing I did, I stepped up my program. That's why you found me at Rockland Young People. I yeah. was going to mm. Luke's meetings. I was yeah. going to three seven three. I um, you know, that's just what I was doing. Yeah, I, 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 like like we talked earlier, just to to get that connection. You know, because you knew that Luke was there and, and the people there knew him. Yeah. And, you know, just to, even just to say, oh, you know, someone to say hi to you or whatever. Oh, you're, you're Luke's mom, right? Right, you know? just to say his name. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I so. mean, I have the I have the um, the benefit of being in AA, and mm-hmm. I share it, you know, all the time. At the podium, um, I get down a high point once a month, mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm able to talk. I share my story with Luke's story. You know, they're intertwined. Mm. But um, a lot of parents that don't, you know, nobody ever talks about their kids. Yeah. And that's like the hottest right, part. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, but yeah. I have a lot of empathy when I get down a high point. And, um, and I tell those kids or young people, whatever, you know, don't leave here. Don't. It, it, years ago, if you went into a detox and if they couldn't find a bed somewhere, they'd just let you out. Yeah. I tell yeah. them, no, don't right. you dare leave. Don't leave until they have some place to place you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting, like I said, it's gotten a lot, of, lot yeah. better, much, much better. So we're come, yeah. We're about at the end. Is there there any other groups or or what what would you suggest to someone who's been through what you've been through? Seek out another person that's that's also lost a child. And the group that you said was Team Share. Team sharing Team on Share. Facebook. Um, I can be found on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you know anybody that's lost a child and they're suffering alone. Um, you know, try to reach out for them. To, yeah. To get to find out what find one of these resources because mm-hmm. it's 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 hard to do. It's too hard to do it on your own. Yeah. I probably I can't think of anything that I could imagine would be harder. Right. You know. Yeah, because it's that's not the order. Of I would rather. What doesn't I would rather, kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. rather not get that strong, to be honest. Yeah. And and <laughs> you know that's not the natural order of life. You no. know what I mean. No. But. On another note, just real quick, when I, I went to the doctor and I come home and I told my wife I was just being to the doctor, she said, which doctor? I said, no, nah, regular doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note. On that note. Um, yeah, so if, yeah, if anyone, you know, wants any information on, you know, what Robin discussed or any of the organizations that she's mentioned, you can message uh, me. Um, she'll probably share this at some point. Um if you know maybe she can tag herself in the comments or something um you, you know reach out and and we'll try and connect you with the right resources that you need yeah absolutely and um i thank you for coming on yeah and, thanks a lot you know, I look Robert. forward to we seeing you around you. my pleasure all right that's it peace all right peace everybody I live in this world.